on this week's Nationals Talk podcast, Baby Shark. Is it back or not? We debate that. Spring training is about to start. What are the biggest question marks for the Nationals? And Lauren Shahadi of MLB Network. Oh, and let's not forget, you submitted bold predictions. We figure out whether they're fair or foul. Nick Ashew, Chase Hughes, the Nationals Talk podcast starts right now. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Chase, we are inching closer and closer to actual spring training. I'm sure it won't look the same, but it's at least going to be some semblance of spring training. And it just like when you say the word spring training, when I see all this snow in the forecast, it just it gives me this sense of relief. It's like seeing masters promos on TV to hear pitchers and catchers and the word spring training. It just makes me feel good. One thing that doesn't make me feel good, though, is the fact that people are going to have an excuse to bring back Baby Shark. I, <laughs> look, Gerardo Parra is back. That's great. But like, I, I really hope when I saw that news, man, I was like, please don't make this be an excuse to bring back baby shark. It had its life. It was great. It was a fun run. It's time for something new. Well, first of all, a little sports radio trick here. I got a big announcement later in the show involving this podcast and I'm not even going to tell you, Nick, Ooh. Tim McDonough, our producer knows about it. So we'll have to bring him in when I, when I bring it up, but it, it well, this is not, really annoying that I don't know, by the way, that pisses I, me I'm off. not, I'm not overselling it either. I think it's pretty big as far as podcast announcements go. Why right? don't I know about this before we're doing the podcast, T-Mac? You'll, what? you'll find out later. Okay. This, this pisses me off. I'm angry at you. Chase. But as far as Gerardo Parra, uh, you know, I'm so torn about whether he should bring it back. I'm leaning towards uh, him not bringing it back or at least seeing how the season goes, because obviously he's going to, he's a bit player at this point. He's going to have to prove his worth and make some sort of impact before he tries to come up with a gimmick. And I would probably lean towards him do, coming up with something new. Uh, Baby Shark, it was great, but you know, what if, you know, you tie that to a season that doesn't end in a World Series? Is it going to take some shine off of it? But I just want to say I was so shocked when they made this move. Like it wasn't even rumored. And he left the majors to play overseas and didn't play that well. Like he played 55 games in Japan, had a 688 OPS, and he struck out 39 times compared to nine walks. I wonder like how the conversation went in the front office and among ownership to be like, yeah, bring that guy back. Obviously, he's a fan favorite, and I'm happy they brought him back, but I just I just want to express surprise that they made that move. A lot of times, you know how these moves are. It's You bring a guy in for maybe for spring training. Or it, it just It's to generate a little attention. It makes fans feel happy. The organization likes to have him around without maybe any real plan for him to be, you know, somebody that has any sort of role on this roster. Because you're right, when he left Major League Baseball, it's not like he played that well over there. So there, there's not a lot that you could point out to say like, oh, yeah, this makes perfect sense. He's going to fit in an X, Y, and Z. So I – 
when I saw it, I was just kind of like, okay, well, that'll be nice, and it'll be a fun story, and then we'll probably hear Baby Shark again, and then I think we'll move on. And then we'll lose sleep because it's so catchy, but uh, I'm just disappointed. By the way, it's stuck in my head right now. I'd like to point that out, (laughs) that it's stuck in my head. I'm disappointed now that they didn't bring back Annabelle Sanchez because that's his buddy. Like, I hope they they have those. I I like the sunglasses. You know, that's a little thing to have in the dugout. That was fun. Um, But I just want to know, like, what if they go on a deep playoff run again with him and he, like, proves to be the missing ingredient in terms of clubhouse chemistry or maybe they even win the World Series again? Like, how do you honor a guy if he makes that type of impact twice? Like, I think you probably put him at a minimum in the ring of honor, right? And I think if they win a World Series with him again, Nick, it might it might enter statue territory. Chase, I hate you so much sometimes. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> Look, no no glasses, uh, no no baby shark, just something. You don't want but- any of it. No, because it look, it had its run. Like we identify the whole baby shark thing and the sunglasses and all that with another season, a historic season. And you keep it at that. You're going to water it down and ruin it if you try to do it again. So I just, I, there just should be no way that this is even considered. But also, who's to say he even makes the roster? I like, in all honesty, do you think that he makes the roster? I don't. Uh, I mean, he'll be right in the mix. I think um, I think he's got a chance. But if, if he plays like he did in Japan, then no, he, he won't right. make the roster. And, but- that's, and, and don't get me wrong. I'm not rooting against him. Like, I love the guy. I, I, I'm just being honest. Like, if I have to be the honest guy about this, and, and people get upset because he just would love to see him on the roster because of everything in the past, well, that's great. But it just the way he played in Japan, then coming here, like, none of that points to somebody that's going to make this major league roster. He doesn't have to play that well, I think, to justify his value if he's doing the sort of fun things behind the scenes to keep the, the season light. And this is, you know, I he's think not going to make the roster chase because he's fun in the clubhouse. Stop it. That's what that was his biggest, you know, attribute in 2019. And don't you think that's going to be even more important this year in another pandemic season and are, you know, probably going to be a much longer one if they make it through 162 games? Don't you think you'll need a fun guy in the clubhouse. <laughs> you know what? Then make him a, a like an assistant coach of some kind. Give him some <laughs> sort of coaching role. Like keep him around in some other capacity. Give him a front office job and let him be the player ambassador to the front office. I don't know. Make up a title. The last thing I want to see is somebody making the roster just because he's a fun guy. Like that's great, but you also need somebody that can do something on the field or it's a wasted roster spot. Well, maybe he'll play well. He played well here. Remember, he played a bunch of positions defensively. He found a little bit of power. Uh, You know, maybe it's the coaching staff. There's something about the environment in Washington that brought the best out of him. So you said you're not rooting against him, but I would also say don't count him out. Okay, Nick, don't count him out. And that's fine. I won't because we have much bigger questions when it comes to spring training with it about to start, Chase. I think the biggest ones are Steven Strasburg's health, the fifth starter competition, and, of course, your favorite spot in the entire field, third base. Distant third for third base. (laughs) Just very distant. It's It's got to be noted. You know, if you're picking three questions and you got to come up with a third, then yeah, you you might mention that one. But I um, I think it's important. Those are the top three. Certainly Strasburg's health. That's the number one. That's 1A, 1B, 1C. Uh, It's not just about this year. It's about the long-term future of the franchise. And, you know, we haven't really gotten any updates on his health in a while. Like once spring training starts and pitchers and catchers report, I wonder how the information will flow out. Will it be, uh, you know, a slow build to the season? You know, maybe he won't be throwing to start or won't be throwing full capacity. Or will he just be like any other pitcher like it's in the other spring training? So that's going to be interesting. We're going to find out a lot about that just over a week. Yeah, it's if, if his history wasn't so riddled with injuries, I wouldn't be as concerned because you felt like he'd kind of beaten that in his World Series MVP season. But then you have last year, which... 
I think we probably could both agree that had it not been 2020 and everything going on, there's a good chance you would have seen him back out there at some point, especially had it been a full season. But you're going to need Steven Strasburg to at least be close to MVP Strasburg because that's a lot of money you gave him, and he's still a really important part of this rotation. Absolutely. And if he's healthy, then the biggest question on the roster might be, Who's the fifth starter? And this is a perennial question for this team. And it's kind of the same faces that are in the mix. Now, Joe Ross is back. He didn't pitch last year, but you got Eric Fetty and Austin Voth. And um, it, it's kind of like you're tired of talking about it because it's the same thing every year and the same people. But at the same time, you should probably feel appreciative that that is their problem. I feel like most teams, um, that's a that's a luxury if that's your problem. That's a first world problem in baseball. Oh, who the who is the fifth starter rather than, yeah. Okay, we got one guy who's number two, three, four, and five. Um, so as long as Scherzer, Corbin, and Strasburg are who they are and, and Lester comes in pitching well, then you're worrying about the fifth starter. And, you know, whoever it is, let's be honest, uh, probably multiple guys are going to pitch in that spot throughout the season. At least you don't have to worry about the fourth starter. I love that. They, I still am just ecstatic that they signed John Lester. I know he's 37. I know it's not the John Lester of the past, but to have that guy be your fourth starter makes me feel so much better. I'd love to see Eric Fetty or Austin Voth actually snag that fifth spot because they're the, your younger pitchers. I'd like to see one of them take that next step, but we haven't seen a lot of it right now. So, all right, before we get to Lauren Shahadi, Chase, I, I, I don't know. Should I just let you have the floor here with third base? This has become a thing. I know it's, it's, it's where we butt heads the most, and, and that's cool. We know it. Third base is a massive question mark for this team heading into spring training. I don't know if I would call it a question mark. It's something okay. that we're going to note, okay? But I don't call it a question mark because I think Carter Keboom is going to answer that question very, very early this season, okay? But I am interested going into spring training to see how Davey Martinez handles it from just a, a framing the, the, the competition or whatever he wants to call it. Is he going to come in and say that he's our third baseman and project confidence and stability? Or is he going to categorize it as an open competition between him and Luis Garcia and, and whoever else? So I think that there's a decision that Davey Martinez is going to have to make. And if he doesn't express the confidence that he did last spring and last year saying he's our third baseman, then you'll be able to read between the lines and, and, and see exactly how much he believes in Carter Keboom at this point. But I would guess he's going to come in and express a lot of confidence in him and try to just, you know, give him a vote of confidence as a young player going into a, what is obviously a pretty important season for him. Yeah, I know this. It's better for the organization if Carter Keboom plays well. And I would love to be wrong. And I will say that now and say it every time. I would love to be wrong. I have no confidence from what I've seen in him whatsoever. You love Carter Keboom, I think, more than I love Luka Doncic, by the way, which is hard to fathom, but it, the love does exist there. So I want to give you full credit. So, sometimes you got to go out on a limb, you know? You, gotta, you, are, you, you see talent, and you got to <laughs> sort of – Make predictions and, and hope that they come true. Man, you are ride or die with Carter Kibo, but I give you so much credit <laughs> for that. How much have the Nationals improved this offseason? Lauren Shahadi of MLB Network going to join us next on the Nats Talk Podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. She's the co-host of MLB Network's Hot Stove during the offseason, MLB Central during the season. Lauren Shahadi, MLB Network, 
And by the way, I grew up in McLean, Virginia, went to Langley High School. I do want to point this out. My mom went there, very different era, very different times, but I am very familiar <laughs> with that era. It's funny, Lauren, because, you know, grow, you grew up and you obviously covered, you covered different sports, but you gravitated now towards baseball. I always wonder this because, like, as we're all in this business, there are times where we cover different sports. Sometimes we have to. Sometimes it's by choice. But we eventually have, like, that one sport that kind of becomes the one we really want to be immersed in in this business. What made you gravitate towards baseball? It's so true. I remember sitting on my dad's, you know, couch with him and cheering on the the Redskins. And I was thinking, and Joe Gibbs was there. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, like this is, and Leslie Visser was on the sidelines. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, this is what I want to do. And I I heard her ask questions and I thought, well, that makes me nervous. I don't really know if I want to do that. But then (laughs) Cal Ripken Jr. watching him and the streak and I was 12 years old when they played the Angels and they broke Lou Gehrig's consecutive games played streak. And I thought, this is, he was larger than life. He was, you know, he was, it was it's interesting. You know, you guys can relate to this, like knowing the area. He, he was a larger than life superstar, but he went about it in a blue collar way, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is, this is, I just became a baseball fan after that. It was a who's who in attendance and it was presidents and dignitaries. And I thought, this is so cool. This will never happen again. And here we are all these years later. I mean, the longest streak is like a year and a half. So <laughs> just going to work for 16, 17 years in a row, never taking a day off. That's something I can idolize. But I remember vividly watching Cal Ripken Jr. thinking I'm a baseball fan for life. Yeah, I remember watching that, you know, growing up in Northern Virginia, even though he represented Baltimore, he was the athlete in the 90s uh, around here. Um, So you host a morning show at MLB Network. It's at 10 a.m. Eastern and the games are played at night. So as someone in this industry, I'm just curious, how do you manage that schedule? (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny because, you know, being a baseball fan, you want to watch all that you can, but you also have to wake up at 4 a.m you know, to, to, to put a show together and come up with creative segments and all that kind of stuff. So here's what I try and do. I try and watch from seven to eight 30 every night. I'll watch three to four to five innings. I'll go around. I'll watch MLB network. We do a, you know, MLB tonight where we just go basically pitch to pitch. It's, you know, every home run you need to see every bullet in the gap. So I kind of get a really good concept of the early games. And then the late games or I'll try to do is once a week, stay up for a West Coast game and the rest of the time I wake up early at four and when I'm getting ready I watch quick pitch and I just watch our highlights and then I come in the morning read MLB.com read anything I missed and then when the light goes on I just hope for the best <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that's how it is for me too when the light goes on I just hope for the best that's our slogan that's our slogan when, when you look at what the Nationals have done this offseason, given, you know, we're coming off of a World Series a year ago to then last year, which I've made a rule on this podcast, uh, we just ignore 2020, Lauren, and we just pretend that it never happened. So it doesn't exist for the Nationals. <laughs> and we'd also Me probably too. want 2020. Me too. Me too. Yeah. We, I think we just want 2020 period not to exist. But when you look at their offseason now and the improvements they've made, what do you think of it? Gosh, it's so funny because maybe I'm, I'm just such a Nats fan. Um, I grew up an Orioles fan and, and then I, I – I jumped ship. I don't know if that's the right thing to do, but that's what I did. You know, I'm from DC, so I did. Um, I, and I'll talk to the guys and they'll say, Oh, the Braves are the class of the division. And then the Mets. I'm like, you're betting against that staff. Like to me, if you go back in years, right. From the Dodgers, Kershaw and Bueller and may, right. All the way back to um, Scherzer and Strasburg and Corbin and back to 
the Astros and back to the Red Sox when it's Porcello and Sale and David Price. Like you, you cannot survive the postseason without, in my opinion, like three studs in your rotation. You can't. You, you can have Garrett Cole, but if you don't have a two, three, four, you're not going to get there. So to me, when I look at the staff, the, the rotation, I put them against anyone, not just in the National League, not just in the NL East, in baseball, because to me, they're a bunch of winners, number one, they're proven winners. You add John Lester, and I get it, he's not he's not 26-year-old John Lester, but he is. <laughs> he's got He's a big game guy. He rises to the occasion every single time. I love Brad Hand. I love I love the fact that the Nationals in general they might have a weaker farm system, but they're not afraid to get a veteran player. They're not about, they're not afraid to go out and get the guy that's going to do damage and, and change the game. I love their offseason moves, like love. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a super fan. I'm not, I love them. Um, I think they can compete with anyone. You know, on this show, we like to ask uh, the tough, hard-hitting questions. And I have one involving Gerardo Parra. He's back with the Nationals, and we've been deliberating yes. this. Should he bring back Baby Shark now? What do you after... mean, should he? <laughs> oh, no. Is she going to side with you, Chase? Oh, no. What do you mean, should he? That's <laughs> yeah. like, when I, okay, so I, I work for TBS in the postseason. And we had fans in 2019. When I tell you the place lit up it was like a different land when that song came on even the people in the the dugout like even the coaches in the dugout everything changed so i get it it's a little gimmicky and everything and you know anyone with kids are like oh that's the song here it comes again (laughs) but really the 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 effect it had i mean you talk to like my grandma she she wants to listen to baby shark that's what resonates with her. We all have the moment in time when we fell in love with baseball, right? There are so many people who watched the postseason in 2019 and fell in love with baseball when they saw Nats Park roaring to Baby Shark. I know that's a little extreme, but that's how I feel. I was there. I saw it. You know, just by saying the name Baby Shark, Lauren, it gets stuck in my head. So that's the worst part about this whole thing is now it's actually playing in my head. But like The, the only th- problem I have with that is like, that is so synonymous with them winning the World Series that I worry if it's brought back that then you get in the point where they don't have the same season and it loses its luster from that year. Oh, I know what you're saying. And that makes sense. I do see the other side of it. Like that was a moment in time that we're never want, you know, we want to relive, relive forever, but it can't be relived. Maybe it can be relived though. Maybe that's the catalyst. I mean, we saw 2020 without him. So maybe 2021 is the year. Baby Shark, title town. Let me tell you something. If they win the World Series again because of Baby Shark being so part of the organization, then it's clear they need to just play it every single year. That's the magic. It's nothing else. It maybe just is the song. Uh, Looking at the rest of the National League, you know, you mentioned the Dodgers earlier. Good Lord, that pitching staff. What what team in in the NL has a chance to take out the Dodgers? Hmm. I mean, the Padres, I love what they did in the offseason. I love the Braves. I do. I feel like the Braves with the Padres have the chance to really make some noise in the National League. They got Soroka back. They re-signed Ozuna. Uh, They got Charlie Morton, who might be one of the most interesting guys in baseball that I've ever met. He is a family man through and through. He loves music. He's zen. But then he, he, I mean, you saw him close out for the Astros. You saw him close out the World Series. He's like, he's unflappable, but he's so in charge and in control. 
I love that move for the Braves. I'm a fan of the Atlanta Braves, how they play baseball. I love Brian Snicker. Um, so, yeah, I, I look to the Braves as any sort of competition in the East. The Mets, too. I mean, back on the back pages of New York, one of the best lineups. They had one of the, I'm quietly kind of, right? One of the best lineups in, in the game last year. Mm-hmm. They added Francisco Lindor, Jacob DeGrom. For my money, Jacob DeGrom on the mound if, with my life on the line. Um, and they'll get Syndergaard back midseason. So those two, I would say, in the NL East. So we obviously follow the Nationals here in the NL East, but you follow the entire league. What are some of the biggest storylines you're going to be monitoring entering spring training? Oh, gosh. I mean, how they monitor COVID, right? Like, you know, there was – we're playing on time, and the players have been really great, and the owners have been really great about safety protocols. They came out with a safety protocol. They signed up. That's one thing where those two sides completely agree. They want the best – environment for the players and they have some new um additional like they'll track like there's a tracking device that says if you know if you test positive for covid it's able to uh determine who you were around right so that's just going to hopefully make it a little bit smoother you know in 60 games i have to give everyone credit last year they did a phenomenal job there were a few outbreaks but that's that's the biggest thing and then how you know you guys were talking about i feel like how the athletes athletes are creatures, like creatures of habit, right? So they wanted to start on time. They wanted their body to be in line. They wanted the rhythm and timing coming off 60 game season, how they're going to react. I think that's probably the biggest key because we saw some players take a step back last year. We saw some players shine that we didn't necessarily know um, that, 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 that was their ceiling. So how they come off 60 and play 162 will be a, a huge telltale sign. So we here got to see Juan Soto's rise like up close and personal. And it was obviously amazing. Now, obviously you paid attention because of your ties here as well, but you're also covering everything. You're working with other people uh, from a national perspective. When, when the rise of Juan Soto happened, what was, what was the perspective of just the national media of him as a player, him as a, a person, like all of those things. Cause he's such a dynamic personality on top of the fact he's also a really good baseball player it's so true childish bambino i mean that's the best thing ever <laughs> maturity whenever i talk to anyone they say juan soto is mature beyond his years and just talking to him he has this sensibility he he realizes the platform and the gift he's been given and he doesn't take it lightly and i know that's easy to say and so many people say it but I mean, look, if we were 21 and had all the talent and were, you know, gifted by the gods, I don't think I'd be very nice. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you admit it. I'd like walk around with a sign on my head that said like, I'm awesome. <laughs> he is just humble and a superstar. When he's at the plate, he is just a threat. I love how he challenges pitchers. I remember him challenging, gosh, who was it? Was it Madison Bumgarner? Madison's like, really? I'm Madison Bumgarner. Like, relax. <laughs> with you know how he kind of like charges the plate kind of yeah. um i love everything about him because aside from you know the antics at the plate he's a he's a humble kind kid i remember i interviewed him interviewed him in 2019 after the wild card game and um i was nervous because i didn't you know i hadn't met him before and he was with his dad hysterically crying and they fell to the floor together in tears 
and we were live. We were live on TBS, and I was thinking, oh my gosh, I have to, I have to show this. Like this is such a beautiful moment. So I just got on the floor too, and got on the ground, and we just started talking. And he was like, I've never, you know, I never forget where I came from, and this is just a magical moment for me. It was he. He's just, he's so darn easy to root for. I'm such a fan. Well, make sure you check out Lauren on MLB Network. We really we appreciate you coming on today. This was this was awesome, and it's always cool to have somebody that's you know from this area that's covering everything, but still remembers you know remembers where they came from, right, Lauren? That's what it's all about. Uh, McLean and everything where he came from, and the Nationals. And by the way, Jackson. I do want I do want to say this. I know you said you started off as an Orioles fan, but switched to the Nationals. That's fair because the Orioles are Baltimore, the Nationals are Northern Virginia and DC, and all that. So you made the right choice. Thank you. I appreciate it. Look, I still cheer for the Orioles if they were in it. I would. Well, that's, I think that's fair. You can have the balance, but we'll consider you a Nationals fan just like us. Thanks a lot, Lauren. Sounds good. Thanks, Thanks so much. much. For having me. Thanks again to Lauren Shahadi for joining us, Chase. She's, it's, it's really great to like get a perspective of somebody that is from this area that does, you know, does relate with the team that we talk about, but yet also hears it from a national perspective. I'm always curious to see what people think about the teams in this city from the outside. And I love how definitive her take was on Baby Shark. I mean, you heard yes. it from her. I'm not going to argue yep. with Lauren Shahadi. I mean, come on. She's That's... on MLB Network. She's from here. She's she's made it to the big time. Um, I think we need to follow her lead and, and just embrace it. Listen, if they play Baby Shark all year again and the Nationals again win the World Series, I will play that song every morning when I wake up. That will <laughs> be, be your my alarm clock, Chase. Alarm that, clock will be, that will be my alarm clock. All right, we started a new segment on this podcast called Fair or Foul, and we wanted tweets from you and questions leading into – questions or predictions leading into this – Spring training. Bold predictions is really, I guess, the best way to put it. We got a ton of tweets. So, thankfully, Chase, you did a lot of sifting through. I mean, I did too, but you have, like, the longest list here. I will say this as I slightly tease because Chase teased, teased something earlier, and I really don't know what he's going to talk about at the end of this podcast, but I guess it's something good. Um, <laughs> Stay there tuned. Is one, there is one bold prediction in here from somebody. That is the most deep-dive, nerdy baseball stat in the history of mankind. It's incredible that they that this is what they came up with that's a real baseball fan but who boy it's definitely up chase's alley when it comes to numbers and stats but i want you you've got the list of all these two chase so go ahead let's start with the first bold prediction yeah so we got a bunch of bold predictions and we're going to kind of judge them fair or foul i guess fair or foul based on whether we think they're going to come true or whether we like them or not um so we'll run through these pretty quickly and and react and thanks to everyone who who chimed in we'll have to do segments like this more often in the future but the first one's from Mike Puckett. He says, first of all, Corbin will be the best overall pitcher on the team. And secondly, Trey Turner will set an MLB record with most steals in a season. And I looked it up. So the record is technically 138 steals by Hugh Nichols in 1887. But the modern <laughs> benchmark is 130 by Ricky, Ricky Henderson in 1982. Trey Turner's career high for steals is 46, which is high. This is a bold prediction. I'm going to say foul. Just be, I, I like it. I like the prediction, but I'm going to say foul because there's no way he gets to uh, 139 steals. I think you and I would both love to witness something like that happening. Trey Turner has 171 steals over his entire six-year career in the majors. So that's going to be one hell of a feat. That is absolutely foul. I would love to see him come in at least 50. 55 steals really kind of take that next step there but to get to to almost 
to get to the point where you're about 30, 35 off of, I'm not going to try and do the math because you know that's a rule for me, Chase. I don't do math on this podcast. To be 30 or 35 off your entire career total in one season is just, that's far too much of a mountain to climb. He'd have to triple his career high. So I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I don't um, think so either. Brendan Deegan says uh, just pretty vaguely here, but I like it. Huge, huge year for Josh Bell. I'm going to say fair. I mean, it's nonspecific, but um, I could see Josh Bell having a big year. Yeah, I, that's the question is how do we define a huge year for Josh Bell? 2019, he had 37 home runs, 116 RBI, hit 277, which was a career high. 2018, he only had 12 home runs, 62 RBI. We're not talking last year because we know that again. But if you look at the pattern, 2018 didn't have big numbers. 2019, big numbers. 2020, ee, tiny numbers. So the hope is that this moves back onto a pattern where we get at least like 30 home runs from him this year. That to me is a big year because they need that middle of the lineup bat. And he's one of the reasons, that's one of the reasons why they signed him. Yeah, so I'm going fair on that one. Here's the uh, the stat that you were talking about. Andrew Flack says Starling Castro will post a WRC plus over 110. And oh WRC plus is weighted runs created plus. It basically takes runs created and factors in things like ballparks, uh, the era that they play in. Uh, also the plus, no matter what the stat is, that always means that it's weighted to 100 being league average. So if you're above 100 or below 100, that's where you kind of know the threshold. Um Long story short, this is not a very bold prediction because it would have him as like the 75th best hitter in baseball. And basically it would mean he'd have like one of the two or three best years of his career. So basically Andrew is saying that Starling Castro will be good, but not like an all-star or anything, maybe borderline all-star. So I'll just say fair just because it's, it's oddly specific. Um, but yeah, it's realistic. It's fair. I mean, my God, that's so nerdy. <laughs> it really is. I mean, that is a deep dive into stats. And Andrew gets full credit for not just coming in with like home runs or something to the point where I have to go back and remember like, how actually is this stat calculated? Because I honestly didn't remember. I, I, but I'll go fair because you're right. It's kind of middle of the pack. So. And we've got a few predictions involving Steven Strasburg. Jeremy Art says Strasburg stays healthy and wins his first Cy Young Award. And then Sabir says Strasburg will make every start and not miss time due to injury. Notice uh, the, the trend, by the way, Chase. Everybody's thinking about, like we talked about at the beginning of the podcast too, that's one of our big concerns going into this season mm -hmm. is Steven Strasburg's health. And it's bold just because the, it's a major unknown at this point, and it's a big question. And if he does stay healthy, especially if he wins the Cy Young Award, that probably means it's going to be a good season for the Nationals, unless it's one of those years where he's like the only guy who stays healthy and plays well. So I'm going to say fair for both of these because that's very optimistic and it would have a major effect on the team. Yeah, I'll, I'll go fair. You certainly want to see that happen, but my I, I am still a little concerned because if we go back through a lot of Steven Strasburg's career, what has the conversation always been? It's been injuries. You felt better after World Series MVP Strauss because he stayed healthy and he was the best baseball we've ever seen out of him. Last year is still have to technically take it into consideration, even though I don't want to, Chase. Uh, my it, it, That is really my biggest concern going into this season. But if we have gotten to the point now where he's understood how to take care of his body in a way that makes him healthy, like it was when they won the World Series, you're going to be a lot better positioned. Yeah, and just for some context, in 11 seasons, he's only made 30 starts three times. So you're betting against a career trend, as you sort of allude to there. Um Nana says this is very specific, the most specific one, or one of the most. The team will start off solidly enough, then hit 
by a major injury or several in parentheses starting pitcher two thirds of the way through the season. And then they'll start to slip out of the wild card race and fizzle out by the season's end. She doesn't like the prediction, but she's willing to call it. I'm going to say fair just because it is so specific and clearly a lot of thought was put into it. And it also sounds, you know, realistic. I think they're going to have a good season. I think they're going to make the playoffs, but if they don't make the playoffs, that's kind of sounds like how it would happen. Sadly, this is too fair of a prediction because we've seen it. We (laughs) saw it last year where it didn't get better because they didn't have a long enough season. Two years ago, you start off 19 and 31 because of the injuries, but we all know how that ended, thankfully. And it was even before that you had injury issues with this team over the years. When you're one of the older teams in baseball, Chase, injuries, recovery, how players' bodies are managed is really, really important. And they're going to have to focus on that this year because you don't want a repeat of last season and even the year before. Because, by the way, like a 19-31 and 31 start to be able to win the World Series or even just make the postseason, that is incredibly rare. You don't want to put yourself back in that hole again. This one is kind of similar. It's from Gino, um, who predicts the Nats won't make the postseason. The infield, third and second base, will let them yeah, down big time. Yeah, there you go, time. third again. See? Yeah, I think, Chase. I think this is from Nick's burner account. Um, <laughs> overall, defense won't be good. Rizzo needs at least two to three more bold moves to get this team to the playoffs. I'm going to go foul here because he mentioned third base and second base letting them down big time. I don't think that's going to happen. And I also don't think they need two to three more bold moves to get this team to the playoffs. I think they have enough. Now, I'm usually more optimistic about the teams I cover and, and the teams around here. Maybe Gino's right. Maybe I should be a little bit more uh, realistic or cynical, but I'm just going to go foul here. I'm going to go fair. At third base is a major issue, and you can have your rosy glasses on, Chase, but, but I don't. And <laughs> second base has been a question mark, too. And you're just, it's also one of those things where we haven't had a lot of the infield solidified. Other than Trey Turner, you have question marks around and guys that can move around to different positions. Well, that's nice, but I'd also like players that know their role that actually stay at one spot and are comfortable where they are. So this is very much fair. Speaking of my own optimistic predictions, I said the Wizards were going to have their best season in a long, long time. And they started out 0-5 and uh, had the worst COVID outbreak in the league and a bunch so of terrible injuries. So maybe it's your fault. Maybe all this is just your fault. You're, you need to be the opposite and jinx some of this stuff, and it'd be a lot better. It could be the kiss of death when I say that yeah. a team's going to have a good season. <laughs> Chase but... Hughes ruins everything. <laughs> this is from Joey Flint, who has a big-time prediction about prospect Yassel on, on Tuna. So he's going to start more than 50 games in the infield. Now, Antuna is a 21-year-old switch-hitting middle infielder who ranks as the 13th best prospect in the organization by fan graphs and is projected by them to make the majors in 2023. I like how bold it is, but I'm going to say foul because I don't think it's happening. 50 games, starting 50 games, not even playing 50 games, starting 50 games for a guy who has never played above single A, I think is too unrealistic. Yeah, it's foul for now, but he's getting closer. Uh, I mean, he was kind of borderline making the 60-man player pool. He's had a lot of injury issues, though. He's kind of been limited to what? I think it's like 500 at-bats, like 502, 502 at-bats in the minors. But he can hit with power from both sides of the plate. So there's some talent there, and there's he will be needed by this organization as time moves forward. But you're right, 50 starts at this point now, it's, it's that's foul. All right, here are some fun ones, some very optimistic uh, predictions. One, the first one is from Andrew Board who says that both Juan Soto and Trey Turner will finish top five in NL MVP voting. And believe it or not, this happens quite a bit. Last year, the Indians had two in the AL MVP race, top five finishers, Jose Ramirez and Shane Bieber. And the Padres last year had two in the NL, Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis Jr. Soto was fifth in voting last year. Turner was seventh. 
The Nats, though, have never had two top ten, top five finishers in MVP voting. They did have one MVP uh, back in 2016, a guy by the name of Bryce Harper. So I'm going to say fair, not just because, uh, you know, this is a good prediction. I think this is a home run prediction. This isn't just fair like he landed a single or a double. I think this is a home run. They were fifth and seventh last year in, N- in NL MVP voting. I think they're both going to take a leap this year and, and finish in the top five. I'm going to say foul on this. Soto will be in the top three, but the other teams you mentioned, like the Padres and the Dodgers and even the Braves, the seasons we expect them to have can catapult one other player on that roster to help give them two possibly in the top five, which bumps somebody like Trey Turner out of this. The Nationals do have an uphill climb this year, even with the improvements they've made. I'm going to go foul on that, but only because it's Turner, not Soto. Here's a two-parter from John Fleming. Turner hits 30 bombs and becomes an MVP candidate. And then also the Nationals trade for an infielder at the deadline. That would also mean, uh, you know, third base, second base might be a question mark there. Some injuries, you know, happen. Uh, So I'm going to say fair, though. I mean, the 30 bombs, there's multiple parts to this prediction. The 30 bombs, I think, is unrealistic. Trey Turner's never hit more than 19 in a season. But I will think he becomes an MVP candidate. And sure, the Nats could trade for an infielder at the deadline. I'll just say it's going to be a backup because third base will be solidified and second base will be solidified, and they'll just need a a bench bat uh, behind them. Oh, clearly this is fair when we talk about third base as we continue this just trend of you trying to push this down all of our throats. But when it comes to, yeah, Trey Turner hitting 30 home runs, that's going to be foul. So this is like a half and half. It's half fair, half foul. Okay, so it's right on the line. The, the umps got to maybe review whether the, the ball, which, which hit the foul pole. Tie, or tie goes to the runner, yeah. I don't know how we'll determine yeah. who the runner is in this. but Sean <laughs> Summers says that Victor Robles will bat 300. He's got a career 250 average and last year hit 220 in what was a down year offensively. So that would be a massive development for the Nets if, if he hit 300. Um, I like it, but this is one of those that I like, but I'm going to say foul because I don't think it'll happen. Yeah, it's foul. He hit 288 a couple of years ago. Defensively, we know what he brings, but offensively, there's still been a lot to be desired, so it's foul for me. Okay, the final one is from Dino Dynamo, um, and he says that Carter Keboom will have a breakout season and shut <laughs> Nick up for good. This is absolutely fair. Never! Foul, foul, foul. Carter Keboom <laughs> will never be the full-time third baseman for this team. I think he's going to have a good year. I, I mean, breakout year, it's all relative. Obviously, he's going to have to play better than he did last season. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be an all You know, I think he'll hit 270 and 15 homers and, you know, start 120-plus games, and that'll be a step in the right direction for him. Does that sound fair? That, that's, that's fair enough. And you know what? If it makes you happy, Chase, that's all I care about. I just want you to be happy. That's well, what this well, podcast is all about. <laughs> We'll have to, as the season gets near, maybe make some specific predictions for numbers, but I'm just throwing those out there. 270, 15, and at least 120 games started. Yeah, we'll wait and see how you feel as we get closer, and if you can want to stay with those, if you see how he is in spring training and go, I may drop those numbers just down a little bit. So I I won't hold you to them just yet, but I'll try to remember them so I can maybe hold it against you, you know, unofficially at some point during the year. I might have to see how he looks in the Grapefruit League. That would be appreciated. Let's wait and see how that goes. Uh, All right, let's move on to the walk-off. Chase, you're up. So this is uh, really exciting news. Um, I got a call recently from uh, former colleague Tim Shovers, who was on this podcast, and he had been in contact with the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. And uh, long story short, they were interested in all of our postseason podcasts from 2019 
uh, when the Nationals won the World Series. Uh, they got all the files, and now they're in Cooperstown. They're in like the, I guess there's a a, a section that has like radio calls and, and and audio. And this is the first podcast. Nationals Talk is the first podcast ever to be in the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. So technically, we are in the Hall of Fame now, and Kurt Schilling isn't. Barry Bonds isn't, Roger Clemens isn't, but <laughs> Nationals talk is. And I wanted to bring on our producer, Tim McDonough, who had to sign off. And Tim, you were telling me that they were like actually pretty excited about this, weren't they? They were. Um, you know, obviously, Tim had done a lot of the legwork uh, on the front end to, to be in contact and, and kind of pitch this to them. Um, but yeah, the, the, the gentleman who uh, kind of runs their archive uh, you know, he, he said, like, like you mentioned, it's, it's the first time they'll have, you know, acquired a, a podcast for their archives. And, um, you know, he, he said it, you know, I'll quote him. He says, it touches all the bases in regard to baseball and its impact, not only on fans, but on a community and the country in general. So yeah, he, they're, they're excited. Um, I think they're in the, in the midst of, uh, revamping their digital archive, but I think the, you know, the general sentiment is that, you know, 20, 30 years from now, when, when baseball writers uh, are, are doing their like oral histories on uh, the, the 2019 Nationals, they'll be able to go into the Hall of Fame archives and uh, find your podcast from, from that run and, and hear what you know, people were thinking at the time and saying. And obviously, you guys did a lot of interviews at that time, too, and, and you know, I, the radio calls that are in there. And I went back and listened to some of them myself. And, you know, the you know, like, like, like you said, it really captured what was happening then. And, um, you know, for fans, you know, uh, you know, they're always available online, but you, you know, to, to be able to go to the hall of fame website and, and search nationals talk and, and find an episode and, and listen to it down the road it, that that'll be possible. How you know, awesome is that? Thing out of all this, the biggest What's thing that? out of all this chase that you can say, you should have said, Take that Washington talk, Washington football talk. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Take that's that. Right. Washington football talk's not in the NFL Hall of Fame last time I checked. <laughs> yeah, I think that should be the only walk-off. There really doesn't need to be anything else. <laughs> that's, that's how you end a podcast. That is about as good as it gets. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to the Hall of Fame Nationals Talk podcast, make sure you do wherever you get your podcast. Give Chase a follow or myself a follow on the various social media platforms. Soon enough, Chase, we'll be talking about spring training and then real baseball again and warmer weather and not all this damn snow that's coming this way, which I don't want anything to do with anymore. I've never seen a forecast like it. Six out of the next seven days, I think, there's snow. I, I, I just, I, I don't understand. I hate it so much. And I, I blame the groundhog, by the way. It's the groundhog's fault. <laughs> got scared of his damn shadow again, and we're back looking at snow every single day. So Chase and I will just be in our houses forever while it snows, and we'll just keep doing podcasts. So we'll talk to you next week. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.